podcast. As always, it's me, Rob. Um, I hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I did. Um, I can't believe it, but this is uh, this is the 10th episode. I mean, it's really the 12th, if you include the two bonus episodes I did, but I don't really count those. So this is my 10th episode. I'd never thought that I would ever have a podcast, let alone make it to, to 10 episodes. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I'm going to change things up a little bit today because i got some other things I want to talk to, so I'm not just going to be reading off scores like I usually do. Um, but I'm going to start off with the Bundesliga. Um, I think this might be the first time that I've ever seen this, you know, since I've been following the Bundesliga. But um, all the away teams were dominant this weekend. With the exception of one game, um, the visiting teams won every single match. The only exception was... Uh, Borussia Dortmund was hosting Werder Bremen, and that game ended in a 2-2 tie. Um, other than that, you know, Frankfurt won in Berlin, Gladbach won in Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg won in Mainz, uh, Leverkusen won in Augsburg, Schalke went to Leipzig and, you know, kind of embarrassed uh, RB Leipzig, Bayern won in Paderborn, Freiburg won in Dusseldorf, and Hertha Berlin easily won in Cologne. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we expect Bayern to, you know, do what they're doing. Wasn't expecting uh, RB Leipzig to lose at home to Schalke, but, you know, there's always going to be surprises. Um, So right now, the the table in the Bundesliga, in those top four Champions League spots, we got uh, Bayern Munich sitting with 14 points, RB Leipzig in second with 13, Freiburg, surprisingly, in third with 13, and Schalke in fourth with 13 um, and then in those two Europa League positions five and six we got Mönchengladbach um, with 13 points and then in six we have Bayer Leverkusen also with 13 points the only thing separating two through six is uh, their goal differential um, but I'm really really surprised to see uh, Freiburg sitting in third place I mean yeah it's still early but you know as a Stuttgart fan Freiburg is like one of our biggest rivals. You know, they have the little Baden-Württemberg derby. Um, so I really, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I don't like to see them doing well. Uh, we'll see how they are. I mean, it'd be nice for them, you know, to finish one of them Champions League spots. I don't know when the last time was they made it to the Champions League, but uh, yeah, they're doing pretty well so far. Um, Dortmund right now, they were sitting in eighth with only eleven points. Um, I obviously see them moving up. You know, they didn't lose this weekend like all the other uh, home teams did. You know, they got a point out of it at home, but uh, yeah, sitting in eighth right now. Moving on to Ligue 1, the French League. Um, No big surprises this week, Um, maybe with the exception of Monaco. Um, They've managed to you know, get over those first three defeats they had early on in the season. Uh, and they actually scored the most amount of goals this week. They put up four against Brest. Um, other than that, there were a few draws. Let's see, one, two, three, four draws this week. Um, but the usual teams, with the exception of Lyon, I guess, um, won. PSG won on the road. Uh, Lille and Nice, it was a one-all draw. Marseille won all draw against Rennes, uh, but as I mentioned, Paris won again. They were on the road, 
and guess who scored the goal to win the game for them? Yeah, it was Neymar. Um, he is eventually going to erase in the minds of all the Paris fans everything that happened this summer if he continues to be, you know, or to, to be the, the one that's scoring the deciding goals in all these matches for them. Um, you know, winning makes fans forget, you know, makes coaches forget. It makes the press forget. You know, you keep winning, keep scoring goals, and that's just what happens. Winning is, is really all that seems to matter. Um, it's right now in the table in League 1, in those one and two spots for the Automatic Champions League. We got PSG sitting with 18 points in eight matches. Angers, surprisingly, in second with 16 points. Um, in third, we have Nantes with 16 points, and then Lille in that automatic Europa League spot in fourth, uh, sitting with 16 points. Um, the top four seems a little, it looks a little strange because, you know, we're used to seeing, you know, Marseille, Lyon, and even Monaco sitting up there. City Etienne right now is in uh, 19th place. They're in the relegation zone, which is really surprising. They're usually a team that, that's up there as well. Um, but Monaco, surprisingly, I mean, they were in dead last, 20th. Now they are up, uh, they have nine points in eight matches, which, you know, isn't really all that, all that good. But uh, they're sitting in 12th right now. And they're ahead of Saint Etienne. They're ahead of Metz, Toulouse. And they're right there on points with Lyon at nine, but they have a worse goal differential. So that's the only reason why they're behind them. So who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens with them. I mean, the season's not even a quarter of the way completed. Uh, let's see, they'll end up playing 38 matches total per team, so they still have 30 matches left to go. It's a lot of points. Uh, but right now, PSG is sitting on top. I don't expect them to, to get any worse, you know, especially with the return of Cavani and, you know, Mbappe. Um, and, you know, Neymar, he's making it seem like those two don't even... They don't even need to be there in order for Paris to win. So he'll continue to do his thing. And we'll keep an eye on the uh, on Ligue 1, see what happens in the coming months. All right, next on to Syria. Um, they are currently in match day six. You know, they start later than everybody else. Um, they actually have a match tonight. It'll be Parma hosting Torino. I didn't watch any of the games this weekend, um, but obviously Juventus won against Spal. Inter Milan continues to do their thing. They beat Sampdoria uh, 3-1 to over the weekend. Surprisingly, Lukaku did not score, and Alexis Sanchez actually got kicked out of this game. He got a yellow in, I think it was a 43rd minute, and then he got a second yellow a couple minutes later uh, to get his first um, sending off in Syria, well, at least with uh, with Inter. But, you know, Inter's still doing their thing. Like I said, they won 3-1, to one, so there was no issues there, even though they were man down in the second half. Uh, Naples beat Brescia. Lazio, they uh, beat Genoa at home. And Fiorentina beat uh, AC Milan. Um, AC Milan actually were down to 10 men in the second half. Mm -hmm. Frank Ribery had a goal. I think that's his second goal, I think, for uh, Fiorentina. Um, he's doing pretty well. I, I thought that he was 
you know, well past his prime, but maybe a, a change of venue, change of scenery, new teammates. He's playing a more, I don't know, essential role maybe versus how he was in Munich. You know, Munich had a lot more stars than Fiorentina does. Um, but right now in Syria, let's see those top four spots, those automatic Champions League group stage spots. We got uh, in first place, Inter Milan still has not lost a match. They got 18 points. Juventus in second with 16. Atalanta is in third with 13. And then Napoli in fourth with 12. Uh, let's see. We got Roma in that automatic Europa League group stage spot in fifth with 11 points. And then Lazio in sixth with 10 points. So, I mean, aside from... Uh, AC Milan sitting at 16 points, or excuse me, in 16th place with six points. Uh, I would say the rest of the league looks how you would expect it. Maybe you wouldn't expect Atalanta to be there at third place, but you know, I think the the league is shaping up the way that it's probably going to end. I said at the beginning of the season I thought Juventus was going to win this. I still think they're going to run away with it. Um, they still get to play Inter Milan two more times or two times this season, so I think those two matches will be key. But I, I still see um, Juventus running away with it. Inter is a really good team now, but uh, you know Juventus is it's the old lady. I mean, they're they're always there. Um, I just don't think that this new Inter squad will be able to to deal with them. We'll see how Cristiano Ronaldo is against uh, against Inter as well. So he's been playing a lot less games or getting less minutes. It seems taking nights off. Like I always say, <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, on to the Premier League. Um, it's a pretty big game tonight. I mean, I know a few years ago this would have been like the game of the week. Now, because of the way both the teams have been playing, you know, it's still interesting, and I'm probably going to still watch it. But um, tonight we got Manchester United hosting Arsenal. Um, Liverpool won this weekend, Chelsea won this weekend, Man City won this weekend, and Tottenham also won this weekend. Um, there were no real shocks. Um, Leicester put up five against Newcastle at home. Um, other than that, nothing nothing really, uh, really big to report. Um, it just seems like everybody that was expected to win did. I guess we'll see about tonight because I don't know who... I mean, I want, obviously, Arsenal to win tonight, but uh, that game could go either way. Manchester United could show up and, you know, play their best football of the season, or Arsenal could do the same. I wouldn't even know who to pick in that game, but I do want Arsenal to win. Um, let's see, in the Premier League, the table is top four Champions League spots. We got uh, Liverpool. They've not lost this season. Actually, they've only conceded five five goals in the Premier League. They're sitting at 21 points. Man City still five points behind them with 16. Leicester City is in third with 14 points. West Ham is in fourth place with 12 points. And then in fifth in that automatic Europa League group stage spot, we got Tottenham with 11 points. And Chelsea in sixth place in the Europa League qualification slot uh, with 11 points. And then also with 11, we got uh, in seventh, eighth, and ninth, respectively, we got uh, Bournemouth, Arsenal, and Crystal Palace. 
Now, obviously, Arsenal still has to play tonight, so they could potentially jump up into the top four if they happen to win tonight. Man United is sitting at 11th. Um, you know, if they win tonight, they'll have 11 points, and depending on how many goals they score, they could be as high as fifth or as low as ninth. So um, we'll see how that goes. I will probably no. I'm I'm gonna say that I'm gonna watch that game tonight. It starts at nine. It's not a bad time. Man U Arsenal. I mean, you can't really say that's gonna be a bad game. but not least La Liga uh, let's see Villarreal started off the, the match day on Friday they put up 5 against Real Betis uh, Barcelona won on the road against Getafe Suarez scored in that match um, the Madrid derby Atletico hosting Real that game was boring for lack of a better term um, ended in a 0-0 draw I don't know. You would expect a little bit more fireworks than that. Real Madrid just—I don't know. They just don't seem like themselves. I don't—I don't know what it is. They just—they're—they're they're not exciting to watch like they used to be. You know, it could be still because Cristiano Ronaldo is gone, or I, it may be—I don't know. Maybe Zidane just isn't the the same type of manager as he was while he had Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't know. Um, I actually have been reading a lot of stuff saying that uh, Jose Mourinho is basically just waiting for either Zidane to leave or to get fired so he can pounce in and take that, that managing spot in uh, in Madrid. I don't know. I guess we're, we'll see. You know, I'm sure he would love to, uh, to be back in, uh, well, coaching specifically, but definitely in, in La Liga. All right, so... The table we got in those top four automatic qualification uh, Champions League group stage spots. Surprisingly, Real Madrid is sitting on top of the table, um, 15 points. Granada, surprisingly, is in second with 14. Atletico Madrid in third with 14. And then Barcelona in fourth. And then in fifth and sixth, we got Real Sociedad with 13. And Sevilla also with 13. Um, Definitely don't see Granada holding on to that spot actually you know a couple weeks ago Sevilla was sitting on top of the league and now they're in sixth place I mean they're only behind by two two points off of uh, first place but I definitely see them moving back up and Athletic Bilbao who's currently in seventh I see them uh, also moving up the table will not look like this in in about a month Champions League is back tomorrow, October 1st. It'll be match day two. Um, for the Tuesday matches, I think the match of, the, of Tuesday, the biggest match, will be Tottenham hosting Bayern Munich. Um, that's definitely going to be the game that I'm going to watch of the Tuesday matches. Uh, but other than that, we have uh, Real Madrid hosting Club Brugge. Atalanta hosting Shakhtar Donetsk. Galatasaray hosting PSG. Without Neymar, he still has to serve that um, one more game that UEFA imposed for the Instagram thing that happened last year. Uh, but it did get reduced from three to two, so this will be his last one. And then, you know, the match day three, he'll be back. Uh, let's see, Red Star Belgrade uh, hosting Olympiacos. 
Man City hosting Dynamo Zagreb. Juventus hosting Bayer Leverkusen. That might actually be a decent game. Um, and then Lokomotiv Moscow hosting Atletico Madrid. And then on for the Wednesday matches. Um, the one that I'm going to watch on Wednesday for sure will be Barcelona hosting Inter Milan. I mean, I think that's that's the biggest match of match day two in the Champions League for me. Um, it'll be you know good to see how Messi plays, how Lukaku plays. Just looking forward to it. Uh, let's see. We also got Genk hosting Napoli, who's been playing very well. Naples, Napoli has been playing great. Um, Slavia Prague hosting Borussia Dortmund. Liverpool hosting Red Bull Salzburg. Um, and we'll see how, I cannot think of his name now, Erling Holland, how he plays against that uh, Liverpool defense. I mean, this is a guy that scored, I don't know how many goals it is now, but he had like 11 in like seven matches and like three hat tricks or something like that. Let's see how he plays against Liverpool. That game is at Anfield. Uh, then we got RB Leipzig hosting Lyon. Zenit St. Petersburg hosting Benfica. Probably already cold in St. Petersburg. Um, Lille hosting Chelsea. And Valencia hosting Ajax. So we will um, we'll see how those matches go. Um, you know, it's only match day two. Still a lot more football left to play. Um, I'm not going to go through all the matches for the Europa League because that's quite a few matches. I just highlighted a couple that uh, I think should be pretty decent. We got Arsenal hosting Standard Liga. Um, Feyenoord hosting Porto. Uh, CSK Moscow hosting Espanyol. It's probably already cold in Moscow as well. <laughs> um, St. Etienne hosting Wolfsburg. Besiktas. Besiktas hosting uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers. And AZ hosting Manchester United. So that game could go any way because, you know, we don't know which Manchester United team is going to show up. Um, but, you know, Champions League, Europa League, it's always good when uh, when it's uh, a week for them to play. So a lot of games, a lot to choose from if you're a neutral fan especially. Um, and if you're not, you know, hopefully your team qualified for one of those two tournaments. All right, this past week, FIFA gave out its best awards. Um, and the final three for the you know FIFA best of the year came down to the same three that were there for the UEFA best three. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Virgil van Dijk. Now, early on in the podcast, I don't know how many episodes ago, I said that I wouldn't be surprised if Virgil van Dijk wins the Ballon d'Or this year. Um, about a month ago, he won the UEFA Player of the Year. <clears throat> I mean, he's a defender. You know, it's hard. You can't compare defenders to uh, to strikers. It's apples and oranges. But uh, I think he, he had a really, really good year last year FIFA decided or you know excuse me the fans the the players the coaches from all the different associations and federations voted and Lionel Messi won it 
Now, you cannot deny that Lionel Messi has been playing great. Uh, but then, you know, comparing strikers to forwards, that's why these individual awards are always kind of weird. Um, but I guarantee you that in December, it will be the exact same thing. It'll be Messi, Ronaldo, Van Dyke up against each other as the final three. Who will win it? I don't know. It's hard to say who deserves it, but uh, I would not be surprised if Virgil Van Dyke wins. I mean, I would put my money on Virgil Van Dyke to win it. Um, but. You know, I mean, we'll see. We got what now? It's almost October, so we got two more months to to see. Um, also, there, um, fellow American Megan Rapino won it for the women, which was pretty big. I mean, she had a she had a great year. She basically made the World Cup hers, um, so there was no doubt that that she was going to win that, and she took it home. I don't think there was. I mean, Ada Hagerberg, she is an excellent player, but she didn't compete at the World Cup. Not that it should really be that, you know, who wins the World Cup or whether your team wins or not to decide who the FIFA best player is, but Megan Rapinoe put on a show. I mean, without without her, it's hard to say whether the U.S. wins. It's hard to say if the Women's World Cup would be as entertaining as it was, but uh, the award is hers. She got voted the same way that Messi got, you know, won the award for himself. And, yeah. We'll see what happens when it comes to Ballon d'Or time for both the men and the women. I don't know if Megan Rapinoe will be the one to, to win it for the women, but just like I don't know who's going to win it for the men, but I would not be surprised if it was Virgil van Dyke. As is custom with this time of year, um, the new FIFA uh, video game came out, FIFA 20. Um... I've been playing FIFA consistently, I would say, since uh, right around 2011. Um, uh, may have been 2010, not 100% sure. Um, but um, I bought it because I wanted to, you know, learn more about who the players were, the different leagues, you know, the different nuances between the different leagues. Uh, plus, my son was beginning to play football at the time. Um, and I want to be able to, to learn everything. I want to know everything about the offside rule, everything, you know. Um, prior to that, I think the only other time I had ever played FIFA was uh, for Sega Genesis FIFA 95, I believe it was, back when if you were getting a yellow or a red card, you could run around the field away from the ref and he couldn't give you the card until he got close enough to you. I used to, I remember always playing as Brazil against Qatar because... Uh, I would always be able to score like 20 goals in the match, you know, but now I play it, you know, on a high difficulty level. Um, I usually only play career mode. I think one year when my son really got into it, we were playing ultimate team probably, I don't know, the year or two after ultimate team first started. And then I realized you had to, it was like a pay to play type thing. And, you know, people were spending all this money. So I decided to stop completely playing um, ultimate team. So, Back in 2000, FIFA 10, 11, uh, career mode was was great. I mean, there was so much stuff that went into it. Um, it was about as close to football manager as you could possibly come in a console game. Um, you basically got to control, you know, a lot of the different aspects of whichever club it was that you had selected. And then slowly, people noticed that as FIFA Ultimate Team or Foot was... Uh, 
becoming bigger and bigger, it seemed like EA was slowly taking away stuff from career mode. So you got, you know, for example, first thing that pops in my head, you got less save slots. So instead of having eight slots to save, you only got four. Um, then the scouting became weirder. Um, you just didn't get to control like the sponsorship aspect of it. And it just seems like they're taking more and more away. And then when they bring something, it's a feature that was there, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and they're bringing it back as a as an exclusive or a new feature. So now, you know, a lot of people are just fed up with it. So I know over the weekend, uh, one of the top trending hashtags on Twitter was fix career mode. And, you know, I look on Reddit and I see a lot of people that bought the game and they're sending it back. You know, even if they bought it digitally uh, or downloaded it onto their console, they were returning it to get their money back, hoping that EA would get the message. Um, I've played FIFA 20. There's some... It, the game, it just seems a little bit different. I don't know. Maybe they tried to make it a little more difficult, even though the harder, the ultimate difficulty level is not as, as difficult as it was like two or three versions ago. Um, and it just seems like the players are a little bit slower. The defense is a little bit better. It's harder to score, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But there are, you know, of course, going to be glitches that come with the game when they first release it. Release it. So you expect patches to come. And I guess the first patch or update that's going to come to FIFA 20 deals more with pro clubs and ultimate team, of course, because ultimate team is the cash cow of FIFA and it's for EA. I mean, they're making so much money off of people, uh, you know, making transactions and, you know, buying coins or FIFA points or whatever they are called now um, that they don't care about career mode. Um, I know for me personally, if career mode doesn't improve, FIFA, FIFA 18 and FIFA 19 were good. Like I said, I bought FIFA 20. Um, but if, if, it, if they don't start to you know, put more focus on to the next version, I'm not going to buy it. I mean, they added this. It's basically FIFA Street, but it's Volta is what it's called. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's a little bit different. There's no goalie. It's three on three. I think you can play up to five on five, but that's that's not enough. You know, for people that exclusively play career mode, and it's a it's a huge community of people. Um, I didn't realize when I was playing career mode that it, it was as big until I found you know a couple of groups on Reddit and Twitter um, that people put a lot of time into this, and you know that's that's the only game that they play or. I don't know. Um, they just put a lot of a lot of time and effort into those things that they want to be able to enjoy the game, and it seems like EA is taking that away. There are people that are even going so far as to defect over to Pro Evolution Soccer, which I've I've never played, um, but who knows? I may may give it a try if FIFA continues to, you know, look past the people that are basically loyal fans. Just because, you know, they only want to pay $60 one time to, to get the game on whatever system they're playing it on. And they don't want to constantly, you know, be spending $100 a month to buy new players to make their ultimate team great as EA slowly leaks out, you know, inform cards and team of the week cards and legends and blah, 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 blah. They just want to have their youth academy players work on their youth academy, build up their team from, you know, the... the league two 
in uh, in England and see if they can get up to the Premier League and eventually maybe the Champions League, Europa League, whatever. And that's the enjoyment that people get out of it. But FIFA has taken that away, it seems like. Now, um, you just, I don't know, the focus is entirely on Ultimate Team. And if the people that play Ultimate Team were to have a hashtag like this, it would be immediate that the FIFA would make some type of change or some type of adjustment to be able to appease those fans. But the career mode fans like myself, they just, I don't know, they just don't seem to care. Um, I saw a picture that someone posted on Twitter showing the, the credits for the different people that worked on the game. And there was no mention of anyone for career mode. Um, it was all ultimate team or pro clubs or whatever other thing that it was. And it, it's a little disheartening. Like people love that game, you know, people put a lot of time and effort into it. So I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um, but I think they're going to be losing a lot of people if they don't make some, you know, some quick decisions, some quick changes, some quick patches. I mean, that's something that, you know, they're testing the game when they release the demos out. Um, so they know they get they're getting like immediate input back from how people are playing, how the, the game is reacting. And I don't know, maybe because it's just not making any money, they don't care. So, yes, $60 is not a lot when you got people paying $60 for the game, in some cases $100 for the game, and then they're continually putting money in and in and in. But uh, for those those loyal, hardcore fans, somebody else is going to swoop in, whether it's like 2K or Pro Evolution Soccer, Pez, they, they may come and scoop those fans away if EA doesn't change their, their practices. So, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully something comes out in the next couple of days. Maybe they'll change their tune. You know, today's Monday. I haven't read anything up on the news, but I'm in Europe. You know, it's still it's early here, so... Um, you know, it's still dark in the States, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that. Keep watching that hashtag. It's a hashtag fix career mode. Okay. And last, but certainly not least VFB Stuttgart. So this weekend, um, they played against Armenia Bielefeld. They were on the road. Um, this game seemed like it was going to end 0-0. Um, in the 61st minute, uh, Fabian Close from Armenia Bielefeld, he got his second yellow, so he got sent off. Um, you know, Stuttgart had some chances, but, you know, in the end, it just seemed like, I don't know, it was going to end 0-0. And then they scored in the 91st minute. And it was, I'm going to butcher his name, but it was Hamadi Al-Gadaul. I know I didn't say that right, but uh, this guy, he scored some pretty, pretty decent goals and important goals for Stuttgart this year. Um, But like I said, he won that game for them in the 91st minute. Um, Yes, they were playing against 10 men, but they got three points on the road, which is extremely important. Um, So right now, Stuttgart is sitting on top of the table. Um, They're in first with uh, 20 points in eight matches followed by Hamburg, who has 17 points, and then Armenia, Bielef- Bielef- Armenia Bielefeld, excuse me, uh, 15 points in eight matches. So um, this coming Friday, they will be playing at home, playing against uh, Wiesbaden. I'm debating on whether or not I'm going to go to that game. Um, 
if you guys saw my Instagram story, you saw that I went to a handball game yesterday because, you know, Stuttgart was on the road last week. So, and it's been a while since I've been to a game. This will be the ninth game of the season in the second Bundesliga. So probably will go. Um, if I do, I'll post some, some quality pictures and videos from that. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, but that's going to do it for the show for this week. Um, thank you for listening. As always, you can contact me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for 90 and extra time, or you can email me 90 and extra time at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Um, got some listeners in some countries that I never thought that people would listen. Um, Colombia, South Korea, South Africa, which is crazy to me. Germany, France continues to grow. Um, I just want to say thank you, um, and I appreciate it. I will talk to you guys next week, and uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye.